Welcome to Mosaic Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following recording from Mosaic Church Leeds, based in the United Kingdom. For more podcasts and information on Mosaic Church, please visit mosaic-church.org.uk. Thank you for listening. From 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12. Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now to each one the the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom, to another the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gift of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between Spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he gives them to each one, just as he determines. The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one Spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, cease to be a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, these part, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Hey, uh, it's great to see you all. Um, my name's Nick, and it is excellent to be able to share with you this evening. If you've got a Bible with you, please do keep it open at this passage. We're going to be looking at it in quite a bit of depth. I'd like to start, though, by sharing uh, my favourite advert, and it's the Royal Navy advert. It starts by um, 
seeing a big massive ship, one of the battle cruisers that the Navy has, and then slowly the layers are peeled away, and as it does, the uh, cameras scan down through the ship. And as you see the layers come away and it gans down through the ship, you start to see all the different people on it. You see engineers, you see marines, you see cooks, you see gunners, you see uh, communication officers. And then, after you've seen all of the different uh, people doing all of the different jobs, it comes up with the slogan, the Royal Navy, the team works. And I think it's a fantastic advert, because it really is quite an obvious one. It really shows you that whatever role you have within the Navy, you are needed, you are necessary. For the, for the Navy to work, everyone has to do their role. It truly is a case of when everyone does their job, the team works. Now, now I start with this because um, I think that actually this slogan, the team work, could work just as well for the church as it does the Royal Navy. And Paul, writing in the letter to the Corinthians, which we just read, well, he uses a similar image, but that of a human body, probably because he hadn't seen the Royal Navy advert. And it, in it, he likens people to different parts of the body. And we get the illustration of that too. With all the different parts of the body, all with their different functions and roles, they all work together to enable the body to function. It might be a different image, but it's the same slogan. The team works. Now, for us as a church, it is vital that we believe that the team, that is the church, that is everyone in here, with all their different spiritual gifts, works. We need to have that conviction that each and every one of us, with the spiritual gifts that we have, are necessary for the team to work. Because... Having this conviction means that, and living light in light of this conviction, will make a massive difference to our faith. You know, I used to work for a company called UCCF, which is a charity or organisation that works with students at university and university Christian unions. And unsurprisingly, in that time, I met a lot of students. And it is interesting what differentiated those students who thrived in their faith at university and those who drifted or fell away. The difference was whether they held on to this conviction that the team works. Those that thrived held on to this conviction. They were convinced that the team works. They were all rooted in local churches. They were rooted in local churches where they were serving. So, for example, those on teacher training courses, well, they helped with the kids' work. Those who uh, had musical gifts were playing in the band. But not only were they using their spiritual gifts, but as they were rooted in the church, they were fed both literally and metaphorically by the uh, other people in the church and their spiritual gifts. You see, holding on to that conviction meant that they thrived. And those who drifted or those who fell away, well, they didn't hold on to this conviction. They weren't really involved, let alone belong to any church. They didn't really use their spiritual gifts in church. And they certainly weren't in a place where they were in a church being blessed by the spiritual gifts of others. And so, gutting though that is, we perhaps shouldn't be too surprised by it. Because what we see in this passage, what we see in the Bible, is that actually the team works. So it's vital that you and I live under this conviction 
about spiritual gifts, that the team works. So tonight, what I'd like to do is spend uh, the rest of our time together looking at three key reasons why the team works, why we need to have that conviction. And then we're going to explore within that what the implications of that are for our lives. So reason one, why the team works, because all spiritual gifts come from the Holy Spirit for the purpose of building up the church. If you've got your Bibles open, this is great, because we're going to start by looking at verse 7. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. What's the purpose of these gifts? Well, the purpose is the common good. That is the common good of the church. The gifts are there to build up the church. So one of the reasons that the team works is because the gifts are given to enable the church to work. And not only that, the, the reason that the team works is because the gifts are given to us by God. They're given to us by the Holy Spirit. Uh, verse 11 sums this up brilliantly. All of these are the work of one and the same Spirit. In other words, all spiritual gifts come from the same place, the same person, God the Holy Spirit. When does this happen? Well, it happens when you become a Christian. It happens when you ask Jesus into your life and trust Jesus as Lord and Saviour. You trust Jesus as number one in your life. You allow him to call the shots. And we're told in the Bible that when we do that, when we ask Jesus into our life, that what happens is that God the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within us. And it's God the Holy Spirit dwelling within us that gives us these gifts and empowers us to use them. So another reason we can be convinced that the team works is because these gifts come from the Holy Spirit. But also, if they come from the Holy Spirit, then that means that no gift are better or worse than any other gift. It means we've no reason to get proud and start to think that actually our gifts are any better than anyone else's. And the reverse is true, there's no need to be ashamed or envious or embarrassed because all of the gifts are from God the Holy Spirit. Not only that, the way they're all allocated to people, it's not like it's some lucky dip. It's not like where some people pick and they get good gifts and others pick and they get bad combinations of gifts. Again, look at me with uh, verse 11 again. All of these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he gives them to each one and this is key, just as he determined. And we see that again in verse 18. It's God who attributes the gift to us. And you know, given that God is all-powerful, all-loving, caring, it's not likely, in fact it's impossible, that we're going to get a bad batch of gifts. It's not possible that some groups of gifting are going to be any better than any others. So there's no reason for us to feel insignificant and insecure. Well, we're not talking about some kind of spiritual top trumps here. Rather, we, we have been given the gifts by God which we are meant to have. So we don't need to waste any time being envious or jealous of other people's gifts. We've no need to waste time being embarrassed about our own gifts. Rather, we can just get stuck in right away to serving the church and using our gifts to the full. So reason one, we can be confident that the team works because the gifts come from God. Uh, the second reason that we can be confident that the team works is because we're all part of the team. Regardless of what spiritual gift God gives us, 
We're all still part of the team. We're all still part of the church. Uh, look at me with verse 12. Verse 12. Just as the body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. Or in other words, regardless of the different gift we have, we're all part of the church. We're all part of the same body. Verse 13 explains why. So because we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free, we were all given one spirit to drink. So we're all in one body because we've all got one Holy Spirit living within us and that same one Holy Spirit giving us our spiritual gifts. And Paul really highlights this by going to the biggest differences of the age, Jew and Gentile, that is non-Jew, slave or free. Now those were demographics that would utterly shape your life. It would mean that you live totally separate lives. And God's saying through Paul, that actually none of that matters. You're all part of one church. You all have the same Holy Spirit inside of you, giving you spiritual gifts. And then he goes on through the uh, body metaphor to show how the differences actually are a sign that we do belong. They're not a sign that we don't. Uh, verse 15 and 16, let's keep reading. Now if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. Now, now when we read that, we recognise how daft that logic is, and not just because we're talking about talking body parts, but rather we get the idea, don't we? The fact that our hand is different from our eye doesn't mean that either part is not part of our body. And it's the same logic with the church. Even though we might have different gifts, and even though the gift might look different, and they might have different functions, they're not signs that we're not part of the body. Rather, the reverse. They're signs that we do belong, that we are part of the team. So we can be confident that the team works because we are in the team. Maybe turn to your neighbour for a second and say, you are part of the team. Brilliant. It's so important that we believe that. Whatever your gifts, you are part of the team. Now that has a massive implication. There are no lone rangers. There is no such thing as a Christian on their own. And I think this passage shows that we need others. We need others' spiritual gifts. As a Christian, to thrive, we need to be in the body. We need the spiritual gifts of others. And again, that makes sense, doesn't it? Like, I am not a biologist. In fact, I'm really squeamish. And whenever my wife, who's a nurse, wants to tell me about what she's doing, I switch off at best or hide at worst. You see, I'm not a biologist, but even I know. My hand, it needs the rest of me. It needs my heart to pump blood to me. It needs my eyes to coordinate where my hand's meant to go. And we get that metaphor, don't we? And it's exactly the same with church. We need everyone, each with their different gifts, in order for us to function. So we need the worship band to be able to lead us in, in some worship. We need people with the pastoral gifting to help look after us when we're struggling. We need people who are welcoming to welcome. You get the picture here. It's vital that we all work together because we need one another. Now, if we recognise that, 
That will make a massive impact to our life. If we recognize we need other spiritual gifts, then we are going to be plugged into church. We're going to be deeply involved in church. It means that we'll be committed to coming, and not just when things are easy, but even when life gets busy. We'll be throwing ourselves into church. We'll be getting involved. We'll be forming deep friendship, deep relationships that go beyond surface chat. And the way that we do that here at Mosaic is through mission groups, which are friends on a mission, and accountability groups, which are kind of two or three people encouraging them, each other, in their faith. And we will make church and time with other Christians a priority, even over things such as work deadlines and exams. Why? Because we're convinced that we need others' spiritual gifts. I guess one helpful way of picturing this is imagining that your spiritual life is a bit like getting clean and the church is like a bath or shower. Now, if you want to get clean, you've got to be in the bath or the shower. You ain't going to get clean outside of it. You're not going to get clean on the edge of the shower or just dipping your toe in the bath. No, you need to be right immersed in the shower or bath. Not only that, but actually... It helps a lot getting clean if you actually start getting actively involved. If rather than just standing or sitting in the water, you start actively cleaning yourself. We need to be actively immersed in the water. And you know what? In a similar way, that's what it's like with church. We need to be actively immersed in church. We need to be actively immersed where we are using and serving using our spiritual gifts. But also, we've got to be actively immersed where we are receiving and able to receive the spiritual gifts of others. So the second reason that we should be confident that the team works is because we are all in the team. Third reason, we should be encouraged that the team works because every person, whatever gift you have, is necessary for the team. Again, look at the body metaphor. We're now at verse 17. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? And again, that's an easy metaphor to understand, isn't it? We know we need the different parts of the body. And likewise, we need the different roles to be able to function as a church. Well, maybe you're not convinced. Maybe you kind of think that you're a bit like the appendix. You're in the body, but you're not really that necessary. Well, actually, let's look at what it says. It says that regardless of how uh, prestigious or unprestigious uh, the part of the body might look, no matter how weak it might appear, it is essential. Uh, Look with me at verses 22 to 24. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the part that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. And the part that are unpresentable, we treat with special modesty. What Paul is saying here is that all parts of the body are essential. So when it's talking about the weaker parts, what's he meaning? Well, he's meaning things such as the brain and the lungs. And actually, in a way, they are weaker. They couldn't survive contact with the outside world. So in a way, they are weaker. They need to be inside the body. But does that make them uh, any less valuable, any less necessary? Of course not. And again, when it's talking about the less honourable parts, it's talking about uh, our private parts, our reproductive organs. And again, okay, maybe they aren't to be on display. Actually, forget the maybe. They're, They're not meant to be on display, but 
Does that mean they're any less uh, essential? No, of course it doesn't. And it's the same with us and our spiritual gifts. No matter how weak or unpresentable you might feel, that does not mean that you are not needed. Far from it. You are essential. That means that the team needs you. The church needs you. And actually, if we're convinced that the team needs us, we're going to be involved. And that means that we're going to have several implications if we're believing this conviction. Firstly, it means that we are going to be devoted to discovering our gift. We're going to be devoted to discovering our gift because if you can't find your gift, if you don't know what your gifts are, uh, how are you going to serve? And let me give you four P's. I thought that was quite nasty. Four P's which enable us to discover our gift. First P, pray. We're to pray to God. We're to pray to God to ask for gifts. We're to pray to God to reveal what gifts he's given us. And we're to pray to God to have the opportunities to use our gifts. Second P, practice. Uh, the best way to get good at something is to use it. So practice. Look for safe ways that you can practice your gifting. So maybe if you think you've got the gift of teaching, uh, ask your um, mission group leaders or your accountability partners, could you do a bit of a devotion perhaps in uh, mission group or accountability? And look for those safe opportunities where you could practice and use them. Have a go. See if you've got the gift. Another P, third P, passion. What you're passionate about is probably very likely to be what you're gifted at. So if you like uh, to be really welcoming and you really like having people uh, in your home, you probably, or if you like baking, for example, you probably got a gift of hospitality. Or if, for example, you're always helping out other people, you get such a buzz from helping them, you really enjoy that and you always find yourself doing it, Chances are you've got the gift of service. Think about what you're passionate about and probably you'll find a gifting in there. And the fourth P is people. Talk to the people who know you well, who know you best. Because they'll be able to spot your gift within you, even if you struggle to spot them yourselves. Actually, they'll be able to have that kind of like outside view and they'll be able to see what God's doing in your life and where he's gifted you. So those are four P's, because if we're convinced that the team works, we will be finding our spiritual gift. Maybe you know what your gifts are. Well, if that's the case, and if we believe that the team work, that spiritual gifts work, then we're going to make sure that we use them and develop them at every opportunity that we get. We're going to be looking to use our gifts and develop and grow in our gifts as much as possible. Because if we don't, it's a bit pointless having them. I, I guess it always reminds me a bit of uh, my grandma and mobile phone. Now, we got her a mobile phone because she's still quite an active old lady. She goes here and there. And so we thought, you know what, let's get her a mobile phone. We, we can check up on her wherever she is, and she can call us wherever she happens to be. Oh, well, you know where this is going, don't you? She doesn't really take it with her. And not only that, when she does have it with her, it's never on. It's pretty pointless of having it. And truth be told, that's the same for us if we're not using our gift. It's pretty pointless as having them. So we need to make sure that we are using and growing in our gifts. Let me just spend a few moments
thinking about what blockages we have, what stops us from using our gifts. I'd like to suggest a couple of things which maybe hinder us in using our gifts. Firstly, need. Maybe we think that the need doesn't exist. There's no need for me to use my gift. Maybe we look around on a Sunday or perhaps a, a mission group and we're like, you know what? This seems so sorted. There's no need for me and my gifts. Well, let me tell you, that's not true. There is a load of need in the church. I'll give you a few examples. Giving. We're still a way short of where we want to be financially to do the things that we feel that God has called us to do. And if you've got the gift of giving, maybe you can help toward that, no matter how big or small you feel your contribution is. Or here at HH, we've got a really big need for mission group leaders going into the next uh, term, into the next academic year. And maybe that's you. Maybe if you've got some of those uh, gifts uh, to do with mission group leading, maybe that's you. Maybe that's your call to step up. We will provide the training. We will provide the support and the coaching to go alongside it. All it needs is for you guys to volunteer. Or North and South Gathering, they're desperate for people with gifts in kids' work. They're really stretched. Maybe you don't have the opportunity to use your gift with kids here in HH, but actually in our wider church, there is the opportunity to do that. Or back here at HH, we've only got three setup teams, and ideally we need four. So if you're the kind of person who can really just help out, love pitching in, maybe that's you. Maybe this is your opportunity to use your gift of serving. Or, for example, the mission group I'm part of, Share Mission Group. We aim to share life and share Jesus with international students. But really, we need a few more local people, people who are based in and around Leeds, uh, to help us to do that. So if you've maybe uh, got some of the gift where you'd like to befriend and disciple international students, perhaps that's the opportunity for you. Now, those are just some of the needs that I know of. I'm sure that there are more. All that's missing is for you guys to investigate and get involved. The need is there. The challenge is, are we going to step up and do that? The lie is that there's no need. The truth is that the church needs you. And if we, if we remember that, if we're convinced that actually we, with our gifts, are needed, then we'll be constantly looking for opportunities and constantly taking the initiative in serving in the church and developing our gifts. And another blockage is that we think that gifts are restricted to either Sundays or mission groups. And again, that's just not true. So how about that we look to use our gifts in, in work or in our spare time or in our hobbies? Let me share a couple of examples with you. Uh, one woman, a teacher, she had the gift of hospitality. And she noted that actually in her uh, school staff room, that there was always an argument, there was always a fight over the precious pint of milk and to who would be those prestigious few who actually got milky tea. So what she did, every week she got a four-pint bottle of milk and put it in the staff room so that everyone could get milk for the coffee and tea. Well, what a great way of serving, what a great way of witnessing and using your gift. Or a very recent example for me was last Monday. Now, last Monday, I had an interview for a job, and to say I was a little bit antsy was an understatement. But just before I went out of the door, I got this text 
from a friend of mine, a guy called Chris in the South Gathering, who has a gift for really praying and hearing what God's saying to him and to others. And I'd like to read the text to you. It said this. He had no idea what was going on. Hey, Nick, I've been praying for people this morning, and you kept popping into my head. Something along the lines of, he's got it covered. Not sure if that means anything to you. Have a great day. Well, let me tell you, when I got that text, that just gave me a real peace of mind. And it all stemmed because one guy in his spare time was seeking to use his gift. You know, we can use our gifts outside of Sundays and mission group in both big and small ways. So if you've got the gift of evangelism, for example, maybe that shows itself in a big way. Maybe you do a alpha course at work in your lunchtime. But maybe, actually, it looked like a small thing, like maybe having a chat where you share your faith with someone on the bus next to you into work, or the guy you sit next to in your lectures. Or, or maybe if you've got the gift of teaching, perhaps that is a call for you to become a teacher. But equally, it could be that it means that you help teach a work colleague a new practice or how to use a new piece of equipment. The challenge is, whether big or small, to be looking to use our gifts. So perhaps you need to ask yourself this, where can I use my gifts in my work? Where can I use my gifts in my hobbies? Where can I use my gifts in my spare time? Maybe we need to pray, God, show me where I can use my gift today. But to close, I'd like to short, quickly talk about responsibility. Because Tim Keller calls this the gift cop-out. And that is, when we don't have a certain gift, we think that that excludes us from having that attribute or that, that characteristic or quality in our life. So, for example, if we don't have the gift of evangelism, we think that means it's okay for us not to share our faith. Now, hopefully, we see that actually that that, that, that that complete rubbish that we're all called to share our faith. Matthew uh, 28, 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. We're clearly called, whether we have the gift of evangelism or not, to share our faith. And that goes for all gifts. We might not have the gift of healing, but we're to pray for people to be healed. We might not have the gift of leadership, but husbands are called to lead their wives. We might not have the gift of hospitality, but we're all called to be friendly and welcoming. You get where I'm going with this? We have responsibilities as well as gifts. But what's even more encouraging is that we remember they are gifts, that they are presents from the Holy Spirit. We don't earn them, they're generously given to us. And God does give us long-term gifts. He does give us gifts that he wants us to have for our entire life and to use and develop for our entire life. But God also grants us gifts on a one-off basis as well. You know, it's not like you've got to wait for a certain amount of time before you get given a gift. It's not like you've got to do a seven-week course in understanding a gift or have a certain number of uh, quiet times accrued before you can get a gift. God can give us any gift at any moment. So if you are going to share your faith with someone, Quickly pray, God, give me the gift of evangelism. Or if you're with someone who's really struggling and hurting, pray, God, please give me the gift of pastoral care. Because these are gifts. They're not work. They're gifts of grace, freely given by God. And on that encouragement, let's pray together. The team works.
Can I invite the band back up, please? Oh, Father God, we thank you that you have given us spiritual gifts. Thank you, Lord, that the team works, that you have made us all part of your body through Jesus Christ. And I pray for anyone in here who, who, who isn't part of that body yet, who isn't trusting in Jesus. I pray, Lord, that they would come to be part of this team, that they would trust in Jesus right here, right now, tonight. Would tonight be the start of a faith journey for some people? But we pray too, Lord, that each and every one of us who are in the team would go away empowered and confident to use our gift, to discover our gift, to get more involved with church and to serve. Oh Lord, I just pray that we would live our lives in light of the conviction that through spiritual gift, the team works. Amen. Thank you.